The title of my message today is The Other Side of Christmas. The Other Side of Christmas. Celebration has been the guiding word this Christmas at Watkinsville. Uh, nothing marks celebration at Christmas like the music of Christmas. Have you noticed that Christmas gets all the music? Uh, there is no holiday that is marked uh, by music like, like Christmas. Uh, think about it. No radio station says um, it's October 1st. We're 30 days from Halloween. Uh, we hope you'll join us this month where we'll be playing nothing but scary songs. Uh, that, that doesn't happen. But we do take Christmas music. And it's so much a part of the celebration. And it's so much more than just one day. And we have been blessed this year. We have been filled up with the music of Christmas. Uh, I found uh, today something that some of you won't even know what it is. I bet some of you have never even held this in your hand. But it's a Christmas album. Some people call it a vinyl uh, uh, album or a record. And I, I found this, this, this Christmas album. And you open it up here and pull it out. And, and you could guess what songs are on a, a Christmas album. Here's side one. Uh, can you guess what would you think might be the very first song? Here's the first side of this album. O Come All You Faithful. O Little Town of Bethlehem. Carol of the Bells. Um, Joy to the World. Uh, those are songs that we certainly would uh, not be surprised as being a part of a Christmas, uh, a Christmas album or Christmas music. We don't need the words on a page for any of those songs. Uh, they're so familiar. They're so much a part of the Christmas celebration that those words are already written on our heart. Well, I called this message The Other Side of Christmas. And I, and I want to share with you in just a few minutes something that happened when I was reading a single verse in Scripture a few days ago. And it, when I read that single verse, it made me think about uh, the other side of Christmas. You, you might even say the other side of the album. Um, look with me at this single verse in 1 Timothy. You may want to just listen to me read it or listen to me say it. Or you can follow along with me very briefly here. First Timothy. Maybe that's a surprise in itself. We would think Christmas will be uh, a Matthew text or a Mark text or maybe especially a Luke text. We're going to look at a lot of different scriptures today, but let's start here at First Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. And I want to focus on this single verse, and here's what it says. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. And let's stop right there. Stop right there. Just time out. Don't read any further. Just that first part of 1 Timothy 1, 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. The Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy who would be pastor at Ephesus and he says the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. What a powerful statement. Trustworthy. 
deserving of full acceptance. The saying. Paul is announcing to Timothy here that he's about to state something that you can believe. He's about to state something that you can trust. And we live in a day today where that's attractive. It's very difficult for us to know what to believe in a lot of realms today. Uh, We don't know whether we're hearing or seeing something that's true or false. We can be talking about health issues today and wonder, is that true? We can be talking about politics and wonder, is that trustworthy? We can be talking about sports and wonder if that information is reliable. We can be talking about special offers that come our way and we look at it and we think that's a sweet deal, but it pops in our mind. I'm not sure if that's trustworthy. I don't know if I want to put the numbers of my card and my expiration date on that or not. But Paul comes here and he says, here's something that's trustworthy. And here's something that's deserving of full acceptance. And what I'm going to say over the next 20 minutes or so is exactly that. I want you to know that what I'm saying today is trustworthy. Paul was announcing basically, you won't be able to prove this wrong. He's saying, you dare not ignore what I'm about to say. Paul, in as many words, is saying that here is a statement, here is a saying that has been found faithful, that has been found worthy. People have heard this, and people have believed this, and people have found it to be trustworthy. Well, what did he say? The very first part of verse 15 here is this. The saying that's trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance is Jesus Christ came into the world. Jesus Christ came into the world. When I read that statement, I read that saying, I read that verse about three weeks ago, I thought to myself, that's Christmas. There it is, not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but right there in a letter from Paul to Timothy. There's Christmas on the page. Jesus Christ came into the world. This is the Jesus that was born of a virgin who was named Mary. This was the Jesus that was placed in a manger. This was a Jesus that was placed in a manger in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ came into the world. Do you know what the biblical or the the theological word is that describes Jesus coming into the world? Uh, Some of you know immediately what it is or you'll know it as soon as I use it. Some of you, this would be maybe the day where it would lodge in your mind and heart. Uh, what this is and what it means, and it becomes a very rich word for you. We, we call it theologically Jesus coming into the world. We call it theologically the incarnation. Incarnation. This is the incarnation. What does the word incarnation mean? In, in the most simplest uh, way, the incarnation means to take on bodily form. It means to become flesh. And when we speak of incarnation in speaking of Jesus, 
We're talking about deity becoming flesh. We're talking about a spiritual deity coming in bodily form. And what we celebrate at Christmas is exactly this. It is God in the Spirit coming to this world in bodily form. It is God in the Spirit taking on flesh. My friends, that is a massive statement. An eternal, an eternity altering statement. So how can I support that? Listen to these verses that teach this. And maybe too quick to turn to all of these passages, but I'll give them to you and let you jot them down because for me, they're, they're rich verses that I try to cling to that when maybe I'm in a discussion about who is Jesus or what has he done or why is he so unique among others that were born, here are three locations in Scripture that give us this great truth of the incarnation. The first is the Gospel of John, John 1, verse 1 and verse 14. In John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Listen to that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then just a few verses down, verse 14 of John 1, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of God who comes in grace and truth. That's the incarnation. That's God coming in the flesh to this world. Listen to Philippians chapter 2. Some of us know that passage because of it speaking about humility. Listen, it also speaks about the incarnation. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. It says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being born in the likeness of men means that he became flesh. He gave up the glory of heaven and he came to this earth and, he, and, he, and he, there was this incarnation. It was God becoming flesh. And then one other, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, which simply says, Colossians 2, 9, says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That's the incarnation. There's no clear statement of what uh, the incarnation is. Jesus Christ, the one we celebrate this month, the one whose birthday that we are exalting, all of the music that's wrapped up into it, it is celebrating that, that he who the whole fullness of deity dwelt now dwells bodily on this earth. Now how is it that this baby born in Bethlehem to Mary, is the one who is God incarnate. Uh, why him? Uh, why not another person born in Bethlehem that day? Or why not uh, someone born a year later or five years later or a hundred years earlier? Why 
Jesus? Why should we believe that he is the trustworthy one who came into the world? Well, let me give you a few reasons. Number one, because of what the prophets predicted. In the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus took on the flesh, before Jesus took on a bodily form, we have the prophets that began to uh, tell us that Jesus is coming. And someone has counted and worked through Scripture and said that you can identify as many as 100 different prophecies made about Jesus Christ that he personally fulfilled in his coming and his life, his death and resurrection. At least a hundred different prophecies. Now, certainly we wouldn't work through all of these, but just connected to his birth, let me give you three of those. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now listen to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then listen to not only the prediction of a virgin birth, the prediction of God coming as a wonderful counselor, an everlasting father and prince of peace. Listen to this prophecy in a little obscure book of the Old Testament, Micah. In the book of uh, Micah, you have the prophecy of where Jesus would be born. Micah chapter 5 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. The prediction, the prophecy that Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one of God, the ruler, the king of kings and lord of lords would come out of Bethlehem is given to us hundreds of years before his birth. That's Micah 5, 2. Well, it's what the prophets predicted. How do we know this baby Jesus born in Bethlehem is the trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance one? Well, also because of what the angels announced. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they have accounts of different things that angels announced regarding Jesus. Gospel of Luke. Chapter 2. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 26. Sorry. Matthew, excuse me, Matthew. Let's look at Matthew, chapter 1.
In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Today, when we think about Jesus being the trusted one, the deserving one, the one who came into this world as the Messiah, as the Christ, the prophets predicted him, the angels announced him but also call your attention to the shepherds witnessed him now look in Luke chapter 2 Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the story goes on and the shepherds, they... they they make their way to Bethlehem and they see Jesus there and then listen to their response. Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so today when we celebrate Christmas and we think about the music we sing like Joy to the World and Away in the Manger and O Little Town of Bethlehem, all of those songs, we're celebrating this simple statement that Jesus Christ came into the world, the incarnate one. He is God in the flesh that has come. Well... Today when we talk about the incarnation of Christ and think about the celebration that surrounds the birth of Christ, it reminds you that in the incarnation what God has done is that he has invaded history. He came and he just stepped right into, the, into history. You took the course of history. How could you divide all of history up? All of the history of the world. How could you divide it up? You might say, well, would you choose certain kingdoms, certain rules and reigns? Here's how we could divide history up. There was creation. There was the fall of man. And then there was the birth of Christ. And then there was the death of Christ. And then there's the resurrection of Christ. And the one piece left that will form all of history is the return of Christ. That's how we break up all of history. 
the creation, the fall, the birth of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the return of Christ. This picture of God invading history and what we're celebrating. This, just let this kind of blow your mind and fill your heart for just a moment. What we're celebrating is that in the birth of Jesus Christ, God has come in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Paul is saying here that that is a trustworthy saying. That is a saying that is deserving of full acceptance. And the celebration today of the birth of Christ, all that we do in celebrating the birth of Christ is far more grand and far more glamorous than it actually was on that first day of his birth sometimes we forget with all the lights and trees and music and singing and food and gatherings celebration that it was a peasant girl and a peasant man who made their living through agriculture and carpentry rushed to the city of Bethlehem to be obedient to a census that had been ordered. And she gave birth. And she had to borrow a place to lay the child. And he's placed in a manger, a feeding trough. Such a humble, uh, unassuming arrival. Yet we sing a song like Joy to the World. Joy to the World. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. It was nothing about that night that would have made the crowd in Bethlehem think that a king had arrived. Do you know what it's like when a king arrives? Do you know what it's like in our world today when a queen arrives? I came across a story this week of a visit that Queen Elizabeth the second made to the United States some years back. And someone um, took all that went on in the logistics of Queen Elizabeth coming to the U.S. And, and, and listen to what the reporters found out in her visit to the U.S. It says, Queen Elizabeth II, when she visited the United States, she came with 4,000 pounds of luggage. This included two outfits for every occasion that was planned in her itinerary. She even brought with her one funeral outfit in case someone died while she was here. Traveling with her was 40 pints of plasma, a white kid leather toilet seat cover. She brought along her own hairdresser, two valets, and a host of other attendants. Someone estimated that her trip to the United States would have easily cost $20 million. Now that's the way a queen arrives. Here's Jesus who arrives in a, in a city of Bethlehem. Yet today we celebrate his birth like no other. Why is that? Well, that's the second part of this message. That's the other side of Christmas. 
I was reading about three weeks ago in 1 Timothy, and I came to this verse back here, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. And it, I come to this verse, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world. And I turned the page in my Bible. And when I turned the page in my Bible, Jesus Christ came into the world. That's Christmas. And here's the rest of that verse. To save sinners. To save sinners. Friends, that's the other side of Christmas. That's why today that so the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ is not just any ordinary celebration of a birthday. That's why the birth of this man named Jesus has not just faded off into history, but 2,000 years later we're still filling the calendar and filling the airwaves and filling our life with the celebration of his birth and it's because of the purpose of his coming you see God in the flesh came to this earth Jesus Christ came to this earth and God's word tells us the purpose to save sinners the praise of Christmas is tied directly to the purpose of Christmas uh, the, the presence of Christ is tied directly to the purpose of Christ. Why did he come to the world? Why do we celebrate his birth? That simple phrase, to save sinners. He came to save sinners. The word save there is the Greek word sozo. It's a word that often is translated rescue. Jesus Christ came into the world to rescue. What is something, why does something need to be rescued? Something needs to be rescued because it's lost and it's in danger. Trouble is headed its way. They're headed for certain disaster. They can't find their way home. Something rescued is in danger. And, and he says, Jesus Christ came to this world. Yes, the prophets predicted. The angels announced. The shepherds witnessed. The world celebrates. But it was this reason. Because he came to rescue. He came to save. Now who needs this rescue? Were there four people? Were there 4,000 people? Was it just the people of the first century? Was it, would it be the... Who, who needs a rescue? It, it tells us he came to this world to save who? To rescue who? Sinners. 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 This Greek word hamartolos, it simply means... Those who have missed the mark. What mark? The mark of the glory of God. Those who have fallen short of God's holiness, God's standard. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and all have missed the mark of perfection. And you see that sin in our life. Those things that we do wrong, those actions that we do wrong, that sin nature that we are born with since the fall in the Garden of Eden classifies us as sinners. Now, what that means is that there are rich sinners and there are poor sinners. And there are educated sinners and there are uneducated sinners. And there are male sinners and there are female sinners. And there are American sinners and there are Asian sinners. And any 
people group of the world. He, Jesus Christ, came to save sinners. And the Bible shows us, and we know from our own personal lives, that all have sinned. Now, how did he rescue sinners? Jesus Christ came born in a manger to save sinners. How did he do it? Not just by coming. Jesus Christ came to save sinners by the other side of Christmas. And that's the cross. You see, the way that you tell the whole story of Christmas, the way that you sing the whole story of Christmas is not only having Jesus Christ in Bethlehem in a manger. It also includes having Jesus at Calvary on a cross. Listen, he says, if you read on in these verses of 1 Timothy, he's, Paul says, I am the foremost of sinners. I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. First Corinthians that we spent so much time in, the very first chapter, Paul says, I have decided to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. Christ crucified. Jesus Christ came into the world. God came in the flesh into the world to save sinners, to give us mercy. And how would he do that? He did it by death on the cross. Thomas Watson is quoted as saying that until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. And the rest of the story of Christmas, the other side of Christmas is this. Jesus Christ, yes, born in Bethlehem. Angels announcing him that he would grow from there. And he would live a sinless life. And he would be crucified on a cross. And he would be buried. I read a quote this week from a gentleman who said this Christmas... He said, this Christmas, pastor, don't leave Jesus in the manger in his mother's arms or in the adoration of shepherds. Put him on the cross, lay him in the grave, bring him forth alive. Christmas is about the gospel. And so today as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we also acknowledge that the birth of Christ wasn't the whole story. There was another side. It also includes the cross of Christ. And I think about this album. And I think about the songs on this side one. Really, biblically, if this was a complete Christmas album. We would turn the other side. And there wouldn't be songs on the other side there like Silent Night or Hark the Herald Angels Sing. On the other side of Christmas there would be songs like At the Cross and At Calvary. And When I Survey the Wondrous Cross and Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. It would be songs on the other side about how he came to save sinners so today 
we're going to sing one more song. A song of Christmas. A song of the cross. And let me ask you, as we prepare to sing this last song, will you believe today this trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance, saying that Jesus Christ came to save sinners? Three answers to that. No or yes or I already have. Which answer is yours? If it's no, would you call on Jesus Christ right now? Some of you watching in your home, some of you listening on the radio, would you call out to Jesus and save you? And you could just pray something like this, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, just like your word says. And I believe you came into the world and you paid for my sin on the cross. And today I want to trust you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to live for you. Would you pray that right now? Something like that? A call to him to save you? I'd love to know about it. You could do that by texting uh, today the word Sunday to 31996. It would be a way for me to get that you today have prayed and received Christ. Let me ask you this last question. If your answer is yes, I already have, would you today be willing to make it possible for others to know this Jesus? A big part of the celebration of Christmas is not for us just to keep it to ourselves, but it's for us to take that good news of Jesus Christ and make it known. This time of year, we do that through our gatherings. We do that through sharing the gospel. We do that through our giving and making it possible for those to go to the world. A way that I will invite you to just join me in making this gospel known would be through our giving this year to our missions offering, our Acts 1-8 offering. Do you know that 155,000 people a day die without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? It's such good news. That's why it's so urgent for us to get it to a world today. Let's pray together. Father, we bow before you and we celebrate Christmas. So much joy. Lord, we celebrate Christmas because we know that you have come into this world. And Lord, we know that the rest of that story now, not just your birth, but also your rescue, your salvation, your death on a cross. And King Jesus, we join with the Apostle Paul who wrote in this very passage to the King of the Ages immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever.